0: Stage's podcast is sponsored by Better Health. It's springtime, finally. It's a time for renewal and letting go. And one of my favorite things to do is to open my closet and get tossing. I let go of so many things that don't serve me and don't reflect who I am anymore. I make space. And guess what? You can do this with your inner closet as well, as we say in yoga. Relationships, patterns, habits that you have outgrown that don't serve you well, you get to toss those too. You get to make space inside of your spirit and you get to decide what you're going to fill it with. It is very powerful, but it's it's not always easy because growth is sometimes challenging, but it is always good. And BetterHelp can help. A good therapist can give you tools to explore yourself. They offer customized online therapy, either on video or phone chat sessions. It's more affordable than in person therapy, and you can speak with someone in under 48 hours. Right now, Stage's podcast members get 10% off their first month with BetterHelp. So giddy up, get clearing. We have had so many of our listeners take advantage of BetterHelp, and we really thank you because when you support our sponsors, you support Stages Podcast. So log on to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P pcom slash stages. Get tossing, start growing and happy spring.
1: Hi, I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to Stages Podcast. Where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage. How are you? You know what? I was going to not say how I really was, because I thought, who needs to know that? And then I thought, well, let's just be honest. <laughs> I was in the hospital all day yesterday because I had one of my those migraines that I get. I I live with migraines, period, but usually they're, I can function through my day. I'll take a combination of a half a pill, this, and the nausea, this. But if I don't catch it in time, then it's just a terrible spiral. And yep. not, I can't keep anything in my yep. stomach to ingest any medicine to help. Once a year, maybe twice a year, I do end up in the emergency room so they can give me uh, an IV with the cocktail that will finally set me you know, straight. What
0: sets it off? Do you know what sets it off?
1: You know, everybody's different. For me, I think it's stress, allergies, Mm-hmm. partially hormonal, mm-hmm. but if it is the perfect storm and especially like if talk about storm, if the weather is really changing mm-hmm. and I'm under a lot of stress and, and I can feel it like muscularly on the back of my neck, you can just yeah. feel, Oh, really, really tight. And then your occipitals get closed off. And yeah. then next thing, you know, I feel it
0: behind one eye.
1: Oh yeah. My right eye too. My right eye too. It starts
0: behind my eye. And then I'm like, Oh God. And if I can get Excedrin migraine in quick enough, yeah, I I can, and I have a little caffeine. I can avert it.
1: The bottom line is I was like, do I, say this? Should I even (laughs) reveal this? Because I feel like it's always something, Stephanie. But then I thought (laughs) it's always something, period, for everybody, whether it's traffic, whether it's a friend is sick, whether you've got a dog that needs your help, like it really is always always something. 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 Yeah. Well,
0: I spent the day yesterday in bed all day, 101 fever Mm. all day. So because I already, because my son came back from Peru sick and we didn't know what it was. He just wasn't feeling well. He was exhausted. Then about a week later, I was like so tired. I couldn't function. So I would say, I just got to close my eyes for a minute. And I would lie down, pass out for like two hours, which I which never Which is did. not like you. I yep. can't yep. nap That's ever. not you. Like you lay me in a bed and tell me to nap. And I just lie there making lists. Like I, I'm not a napper. So last week we bring him to the doctor. They test him for strep and COVID and turns out he has mono. So guess what mama has?
1: Mono. Hmm. So you're mono mama.
0: Mono mama. And then, he, and then Monday I got my COVID booster.
1: Oh, uh, and that knocked you out. I, I mean, thank God for boosters. Thank God for vaccinations. Thank yeah. God. Thank God. Thank God. But yeah, it's going to, I still can't knock function. you up for a bit. I still can't. It's always something. Oh, it's always something. Yeah.
0: Today, we have a really special podcast for you. We've decided that even though our second act is in full swing here, we're going to shape this year like a play. We have act one and we have act two. And today is the finale of act one. But don't worry, act two begins again on August 1st. We thought it would be a fun idea to go back and revisit a lot of our old guests and just bring you guys up to date on what they're doing now. We certainly did not get to everyone, but we picked names out of a hat and we did a bunch. I had such a good time editing this piece together because I got to go back and listen to so many episodes. And I was reminded of how fortunate that we have been to have these talented, generous, open-hearted guests say yes to us and share. I hope that it inspires you all to do the same, to go back and revisit the ones that were your favorites and maybe take a listen to some of the ones that you didn't get a chance to listen to the first time around. We will be back August 1st and we hope you enjoy today's Act One finale.
1: So we could start with Tony Awards. Oh, heavens. It was, you know, I... I very rarely get on social media and do like a one on one speak to the camera situation. But on Tony nomination day, I tend to do that because I have found myself staring at the computer or staring at a TV, hoping my name gets called. And there have been plenty of times where it hasn't, and there I'm very blessed to say there have been a few times that they have, and I know what that feels like. We like to say it's everything and nothing all at the same time, right? Mm. It feels like everything, and you're so joyous. And at the same time, you go about doing the same things in your day. You're gonna see the same people. You're gonna do the same show. You're gonna, so- And um, and it's always something. (laughs) And there's always, in fact, there's always more somethings because award season brings on all of these other extra responsibilities and exciting, you know, award shows and red carpets. So there's more than always something, but to know that so many of our talented friends that we had the opportunity to speak with are now in that season. Let's name them off. Shoshana Not Bean. that everybody was exceptional, that again, <laughs> everybody, we love you. Everybody, you're worthy. You're all pretty and you're all going to the prom. Ain't that the truth? I never went to prom, but we'll get to that. Okay, go. <laughs> so there's Shoshana Bean.
0: Yep. Uh, Jesse, Tyler Ferguson. Yep. Matt Doyle. Yep. And La Chance. Isn't this thrilling? It's so amazing. It's so amazing. And Lachance, Matt and Jesse all just won the uh, Outer Critics Circle Awards. Oh, they won. Forgive they me for won. not knowing. They <gasps> won. They won. And here's a really, here's a fun fact. So Lachance next season in the fall is, pr- is producing her first Broadway show. Um, Kimberly Kimbo. Yep. Kimberly Kimbo. So she's going in as a lead producer on that new show. When we talked to her, she talked about taking charge and like deciding Mm -hmm. where she was going to move her career forward and Mm -hmm. making work for herself and deciding what she was going to do. And there were certain things she was no longer going to do. And here she is a year later doing
1: everything she said that she was going to do. That was one thing that I noticed in a lot of our interviews that sat with me is that, you know, life can take you. And then just kind of, you're riding the wave and and all of a sudden one year has passed, three years have passed, five years have passed. And without that intentionality, you can lose, you can get lost in a life that has, you know, taken you by hostage a little bit. Right. And a lot of our guests decided, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm still yeah. going to be flexible and resilience and find the balance, yeah. but I'm also going to say, this is what I'm going to curate for my life. and. Yeah. She's doing that, you know, yeah. Keisha and they, and, Lewis is doing that. It's yeah, really beautiful. I to was see. just going
0: to say that because that was very specifically what Keisha Lewis said, you know, yeah. like, you shape it. It doesn't get to shape you. That's and, right. And it's about facing fears too, right? And so um, one of the things we talked about with Lachance was uh, her fear of, because we were on our way to Rwanda and she was petrified to go see the gorillas. The
1: gorillas. <laughs> so
0: she talked yeah. about that fear and yeah. I'm happy to say that she did see the gorillas and she did not die. No, on the top. she actually led rescue. the charge.
1: She, she was right in the it. front of everybody else. She's like, I was like, girl, you're supposed to be in the back
0: being scared. You're leading. Oh god. So she's doing great. And then one of our other early interviews was Kiala.
1: Um, yes. She, she was in such, she's in the West End now, right? She is. She's she's yes. in
0: a Juliet, the musical.
1: Yes. Yes. So she's the nurse. I don't know much about Juliet. I think I need to go back. And uh, because they just recently cast it here in the States and it is a take, I believe on Romeo and Juliet uh, yeah. duh, and focusing on Juliet and the nurse, um, but, you know, underscored with this really cool uh, pop drive score. So um, I I'm wonder if she's going to gonna do is. it
0: here. You think she's going to do it here?
1: Um, that's a good question. I Don't know. I don't I think Kiala's gonna stay in the in the West End. I don't believe her they would have made a big bells and whistles announcement if she, if she were gonna be coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: she's amazing. She's is amazing. I was really happy to see how far she came because I know she really was in a transition point when we talked yeah. to her. She was just starting to pack up her house, but because her kitchen was empty <laughs> and right. she she gave us the tour of her empty kitchen and um, and she was moving to England and she was searching, remember she was calling herself uncountried and she was searching for that place to belong. And so the clip I'm about to play is when we talk to Keala about being an empath and how that impacts her performance.
2: Or if you were even able to send a message to someone like, you know, you get probably millions of, you know, pieces of fan mail and or messages on social media daily as reminders that people are listening. And and touched by you, touched by what you share. And the thing is, as is that that's when I realized as an empath, I was petrified of delivering the messages I was delivering because people would come back to me and say, you've changed my life. And I'm all that's awesome because I'm scared out of my wits. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's the ultimate courage, the ultimate courage to ignore that little voice that's saying, you know, you're different, you're strange, you shouldn't tell, don't do that, don't show it. And you just did it anyway.
2: And still doing it and knowing and having those emotions. And it was that time when I was able to, fortunately, I have a therapist who I love with everything in me. I go into that therapist and say, this is what's happening. This is how I'm dealing with things, but it doesn't feel healthy. I need homework.
0: These are the first three interviews that we did, right? So it was Lachance, Jason, uh, Gras.
1: Mm-hmm. Stupid and- Jason Graw. And I say that with so much love. Stupid, stupid, dumb, dumb Jason Graw that I love. So, so you'll be happy to know. Everyone will be really happy
0: to know the colonoscopy came back clean.
1: So oh, good. Good. Yeah, no good. oh, good. No polyps. No nothing. Yeah. Yeah. He's nothing good. exceptional in his medical report. And this I'm really happy about. He's going to be in
0: P-Town this summer with Faith Prince. And we are When? Oh, so go out. It's, um. I think it's in July, know? July, like 17th or something. I'm getting my tickets. I'm already I'm in Ju- getting them.
1: I'm in July 10th. I perform P-Town July 10th. Do you so think, I think you it's can the make uh trips? Uh-huh.
0: Of course I can. So who else? Um, Recently, Christina Wong, right? She <gasps> came on. Now she- is killing you, it. So she just won the Outer Critics Circle Award for a solo performance. Oh my God. She was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize in drama for the play that she just performed, um, that she won the Outer Critics Award for, which is Christina Wong, Sweatshop Overlord. Sweatshop.
1: Which, if you think about it, she, if I remember correctly, she didn't necessarily have a, a script for that. It was happening in real time. And yep. she was kind of. Filming it from her well, many different computers, but because it was all happening so fast yep. and the creation of the masks and all of the things that were necessary f- during the time of COVID, she just jumped in and said, Let's make something. And it was so topical and so powerful. Yep, now a Pulitzer that's it's
0: fancy. amazing, yeah. And it's just smart started, fancy award. It started out of her seeing a need in the world and jumping in to do something. She was just trying to make masks for, I think the nurses because people couldn't get masks. And she reached out to a bunch of um, her parents' friends that did a lot of sewing and they started making masks. And, And yes, yes, it started out as just this thing that she was filming to document on her computer. And it turned into an off-Broadway show and led to all of these wonderful surprises for her. So here in this clip, she's talking about when she first started making the masks and how that happened.
2: March 20th, I sewed my first mask. I make a naive offer to the internet. Four days in, I am inundated with requests that I can't keep up with. I start a Facebook group. Mostly as a way to casually add people who I knew were sewing. And if they had extra masks, maybe they could help me. But I ended up coordinating all the stuff and trying to get supplies to people because people who are willing to help don't have supplies or don't know where to send things or haven't sewn in a while. So it just kept ballooning and ballooning and snowballing and snowballing and snowballing. And snowballing. It, in those 10 days from March 20th to the to like the start of April, I had... Bolts of fabric that was being donated coming in and out of my house. Like it would come into my house, I would tear off yards, hand it off to strangers in the street uh, who were my aunties, basically, uh, hunting down sources for elastic, trying to hunt down people who could cut fabric. Just it was so crazy. And I, I just felt witnessed just feeling so close to the pandemic. So some of the stories I tell even within the show is there's a hospital in LA that needed elastic because the N95 masks that they were sent were so, the, the elastic was so brittle and broken that doctors was, were using tourniquet ties to keep the masks on their faces. Like the missing link to their life and death was literally on my floor because I'd bought out in the garment district to get all you know the last spools of elastic. But it was just like within the span of, About thirty, I think I did my first iteration of the show on Zoom. About forty days later, or thirty-five days later, and I at that point it was like (laughs) I I had just seen the the pandemic from this the point of view of someone who was literally like a soldier conquering it head on and like feeling like I was risking my life when I was going to the post office, but also getting some of the most terrifying requests in my inbox. Talk
0: about jumping in and going with something. And then it leads you to the most unexpected places. I just
1: love that. Because the creation was pure. The creation was based out of uh, a need and paying attention and being present. I don't think I'm taking some liberties speaking on her behalf, but I don't think she would have ever thought, gosh, this is going to garner me all sorts of awards and attention. And, you know, it literally was, let's just do good by the world, fill the need and document it so people can watch it. And then to know that however long, a year later, the world not only watched it, it sat up and said, you know, you deserve to be recognized Mm -hmm. artistically. And with the Pulitzer, that's like you're changing the world by what you're doing. We recognize that what you've created is literally a stamp for the here and the now and the historical and, It's really, really special. I hope she feels marvelous about it all.
0: She was a really interesting guest. I remember being nervous when I was doing the research for her because it's clear she is brilliant. She doesn't see the world like other people.
1: Anytime I speak with an author, a poet, uh, a satirist, because of the way they look at the world and are able to either write it down or express themselves like you said, outside of the box as like an outlier and allows us to see it in a completely different way. I too get very nervous because I think there's a depth and a richness to them that perhaps yeah. I'm not going to be able to hold a conversation because of how enlightened they are. Yeah. But really all you do is lend, come to the table, listen, have the conversation, and then you leave feeling enlightened. But yeah, before yeah. that interview, humana, 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 yeah. what am I going to say? <laughs>
0: And that's how I felt going into the interview with James Lapine, too, because he's such an idol of mine. Totally. So I was so nervous when I talked to him. And did you get to see Into the Woods at the city center?
1: No, or I'm sorry to say I uh, didn't. I, I, didn't I uh, Believe it or not, I was able to have lunch with James while it was going on my uh, rehearsal schedule. I was... Um, just recently in New York for a little over three weeks uh, doing a presentation of a new piece. I don't think I'm allowed to say, but a redux of a piece. And I was able to have lunch with Uncle James James, and he had just come from one of the rehearsals. And I remember he was very proud. He Uh was so happy with this rendition. And apparently he had gone back like three or four times, which is, says a lot. And the way he really loved the way that um, storytelling was happening at, uh, Ugh. at Encore. Do you think yeah. they'll
0: move it to Broadway? Do you think they'll do anything further with it? I'm no. dying to see it. They again.
1: left us. Hey, ha- I mean, if we look at social media, they did city center did leave us hanging with, you know, the story isn't over. This was a Uh-oh. moment in the woods, but that doesn't mean it's the ending of the moment. Oh, I love so it. that to me seems like a bit of a carrot. Um, I want Sarah Bareilles to get a fantastic Fantastic new series or like a major motion picture or perhaps a stadium tour so that maybe I could get in an audition for the uh-huh. Baker's Wife. I want us both to be blessed in that way. Wait, but isn't she's in Girls, <laughs> girls 5 ever? Yeah, but I believe they've already completed season two of filming Damn and it. so, I know. Listen. I want her to be ridiculously happy and ridiculously successful and somehow I still want to be in her show. Well, (laughs)
0: when I, when I got cast in ragtime, I called my dad and I told him that I was an understudy and he was like, what, what does that mean? I said, well, it means when she can't go on, I go on. And he's like, so when she isn't on, you're on. I go, yeah, dad, that's what understudy is. And he goes, "Uh "Uh-huh." So if she gets run over by a fish truck, you're on (laughs) because my dad's a fisherman. So I was like, oh my God. Dad, please do not run Marcia Mitzman over with a fish truck. We could talk, you know, we, we oh, still no. have fish only, good oh, only, only good things, only good things, things for okay. Sarah Borellis. Yeah, yeah, this no, we woman want to is run an angel that walks the <laughs> earth. I'm sorry, but, Sarah, we
1: won't run you over with a fish truck. <laughs> God, I admire her so. It's jealousy. That's what's happening here. Listeners, this is what jealousy looks like. Well, you know, I sit with Uncle James James and you know, you can't just be like, what's up, man? Are are you going to cast me? Like, wow. And yeah, and he keeps saying, let's write a show. I was like, you've got plenty of shows already written, ready to go. Let's make it happen.
0: (laughs) Um, And then uh, Andrew Reynolds is also in Girls 5 Ever with her.
1: He is so ridiculously funny. first of all, that wig that covers like half of his face and that he's constantly like just trying to get out of his eye. And I love it. I love it. I love him so much. And I love like the, the, he's got this really cool, each side of the spectrum, right? He can play earnest, he can play ridiculous, he can play serious, but he's just so frigging charming. There's like this winning energy to him, no matter what role that he does, that allows him to jump into anything. And you still feel like, "Mm, I like this guy, even if he's seedy, (laughs) even if he's manipulating, I just (laughs) love him. It's just... Fantastic and hilarious and over the top. And yet exactly what the doctor ordered in this, you know, in this time that we're living in when everything's so heavy and bogged down. This is just ridiculous. Good fun.
0: Here he is telling he's telling the story about um, his feelings for Michelle Pfeiffer.
3: Just one more quick Grease Two story. I when I was in the Book of Mormon and I would give the Broadway care speech for like the two fundraising cycles that we do on the Broadway, Michelle Pfeiffer was in the audience one night and she didn't know that there was going to be like a curtain speech. So like everybody, you know, they're like standing up and you're like, wait, 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 like we have we we're gonna ask for some money. And she was walking up the aisle and I was doing the like, you know, the speech that you know. And then I screamed, Michelle Pfeiffer, I love you so much. I love you. <laughs> oh my God. And she turned around and like waved. And the rest of the cast was like, What happened to you?
1: No, no. I honor you
3: for that. You had what a moment. Happened?
1: You couldn't miss that moment.
3: No, I was like, I might never see you again. So I just screamed it. And then I had to be back and be like, The Phyllis Newman's women. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's see. Who else? Who else? Oh, I know. Um, Sakina Jaffrey was cast in <gasps> Billions. I know. So she's now in that show. I can hear her voice in my head when I think of her interview, when she said, lucky star, lucky star. You remember that? She has this sing-songy voice and the way she said it and the topic that we were talking about, because we were talking about being moms, it really, really stayed with me. She had this career and then she sort of stopped for a bit, raised her children. And now that her children are grown, she jumps back in and she's getting all these opportunities. And she feels like, oh, I was so lucky. Like it just worked out for me that I, and I think of that all the time because similarly, I stepped away to raise Seb and now I'm going back in. And I feel like, I feel the same way. Like I, I can hear, I hear it in my head all the time. Lucky star, lucky star, lucky Sometimes, star, lucky star. You know, when you wake up and you try to do a little gratitude thing, yeah. Sometimes I'll wake up and I'll hear that lucky
1: star, lucky star. Oh, I think that would make her really happy. For <laughs> me, in her interview where um, she said, you know, I had acted and 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 lived that life. And then it was time for me to watch my children master their mm-hmm. own, right? Their mm-hmm. own life. And when I watch Vivi, you know, taking agency of herself, whether it's horseback riding with this big, huge beast, and <laughs> she'll be cleaning out the the um, horseshoes and she'll be brushing it, and she finds just as much joy cleaning the stall as she does leading the horse and riding. And now it's bareback, so she's got her hands on the mane of the horse, going up these hills and stuff. And she's not scared I, at all, huh? No, not in that, not in that arena. And for me that's the thing that goes through my head i say i'm watching my kid master something yeah. and that is such a gift like i could be somewhere else doing what i know how to do and feel that i've i'm working toward mastery in something mm-hmm. but going back to do something i've already done in this stage of my life is vastly different and feels less than, than Mm -hmm. watching a new spirit and a new mind and Mm -hmm. a new body really learn and master something. And the light that comes from her and the confidence that comes from her, it gives me chills. And it really does. um, I I say it fills my bucket. Like it it fills me in a completely different way. And when Sakina said that, watching the mastery of your children, I was like, oh yeah, that really is um, a huge gift and something I don't want to miss.
0: So, funnily enough, when I went to find the clip of Lucky Star, Lucky Star, it was the exact same clip as the one that you're talking about. So, here's Kina talking about that moment. And yet, always been acting when I had the kids. Like every year, I would be doing a bunch of different projects, and I wouldn't do the Stupid projects. Even way back then, I was like, it's not worth it for me to be away from my children. I don't I want their self-esteem to grow. And how does it grow unless they're becoming masters of something themselves? And then are they becoming masters in your absence? Are they become doing all the kung fu and all the ballet and all that stuff without anybody watching them? So like that's been very much a part of my thinking. The weird thing for me is chug along, chug along as I do, and then I am I'll say this now, but I'm 50 and I get House of Cards. My first television series yeah. right after. And and I mean, I was like, is it possible that it's all kind of worked out, that I wanted my children to be old enough that I could be away? <laughs> I mean, mm. I don't know. It's uh, Sometimes I so feel like lucky star, lucky star. No, it
1: but goes it's always- back to a deliberate life.
0: So I was talking to uh, Rebecca Davis from Mind Leaps. Yes. And so she, what she's doing now, I mean, she has her Rwanda and Guinea projects that, you know, she's um, already working on. She's bringing um, Kevin Zambro. He was a dancer in West Side Story. Oh, right. Yeah. He's going, I think to Rwanda this year, or maybe to Guinea and uh, Mark Caserta. He was in Complexions of Contemporary Dance. So they're the two dancers that she's bringing with her, but she just launched a new project in New York City. And they're working in conjunction with a group called Children of Promise. And they work with children affected by mass incarceration. Oh, well, well she there you have it. There she just it. does so many great things, you know, much like Kara, right? We just spoke with Kara, who's doing great right. things for children and um. And there's Rebecca doing the same thing, just helping children all over the world. It's really
1: incredible. And in her personal life, I don't know if you saw, but she got engaged. I know. That's so great. You know, to Bashir, who was there. Aaron Bashir. Armstrong. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I think that's so, so beautiful. They yeah. both radiate such joy and such purpose. And I think those two words often align with each other. If you do have a deep sense of purpose and gratitude, then you will find great joy. And I remember when we met. Both of them in that hotel room in Rwanda, this overwhelming like light that they brought into the room. Yeah, those are they're good, good people. They're great people.
0: And uh, let's see who else? Who else? Oh, Jason Alexander, his podcast, really? No, really. Um, I reached out to him on Twitter, and I was like, "Where is your podcast?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're all hungry out, for it. It's coming out in the fall. So okay, we great. Wait. We still have to wait. For okay, that. all right, all um, right. Let's see who. Oh, Tamara Tooney. Oh, Tamara was up here in Boston for a little while filming the Whitney Houston biopic. I want to dance oh. with somebody. So she's playing Whitney's mom. And that okay. comes out in December.
1: I love the idea. I want them to change the title. I want to dance want to with dance somebody. With... I want you to change the title.
0: All right. Well, do you start have
1: Toonie might have that power. Toonie might. Toonie get any.
0: <laughs> Let's see who else. Um. Oh, Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Ahrens. They have their new show, uh, Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Um, it had the world premiere at Oslo
1: Rep. I'm they asked said this. to be a part of it. And he unfortunately couldn't. Okay, you have no. to understand. There are certain composer teams. You do understand this. Of course. That are just special. And if yeah. we were to have somebody score like, our life, <laughs> it would be Lynn and Stephen. There's just something about their music for both Sebastian and myself mm-hmm. that hits a chord in us that yep. brings up emotion, takes us to a different place. And it's remarkable. So anytime they actually inquired about his participation for Anastasia, but I don't know if you know, Sebastian's background where his grandmother yep. was the last, you know, Romanov princess. And so yeah. his mother lovingly said it would be very difficult for me to see the the storytelling and the liberties that have to be taken and the sort of uh theatrical aspect with which they would tell this story. Yeah. Um, it would be difficult for me. And plus I believe they wanted him for the role, the one that kind of led the charge that would have attacked his family. Oh my gosh. Essentially. See. So he had to say graciously, thank you so much for thinking of me, but this project I you know, I can't tell this story. And then when Knoxville came around, he really wanted to make it work. He really wanted to make it work, but because of the out of town and where it timed out in our personal life, again, it just, it wasn't going to work with all the moving parts of our life. But when, when your dream composers ask you to be a part of something, of anything, it really is one of those considerations where even though all of the bells in you are saying, This isn't going to work. You still try to, you know, do everything you can. And, and like we yeah. say, sometimes you want to white knuckle and want to yeah. make it happen because this call just seems so vitally important artistically. Mm. Um, but he's had to release both of these opportunities. Oh, with I hope rough. it comes back around again. I'm actually going, um, I think when this airs, this might be post-announcement, but I have a concert coming up this weekend in New York City, so that's May 22nd, so yes. Sorry, everybody. You've missed the concert. It went so great. I was in the best voice ever. Buy tickets for the next one. But I'm, it's titled Stephanie Sings the Stevens. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, Steven Sondheim, Schwartz and Flaherty. And Flaherty's coming. Which oh, will, nice. oh, it will be so, so, so special to have. I'll try here. to come down. I'll try to get there. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, yeah. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. OK, I'll send you all the information. I would send it out to everybody. But again, I just, just said- it was sold out, y'all. And it was just <laughs> one of those New York moments, you know? God, I was good.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Donna Murphy is right now filming
1: her second season of Gilded Age. Oh my gosh. And I know this seems so superficial, but has never looked better in her whole freaking life. So irritating. Oh, it's so irritating. <laughs> the glamour that she is putting out there right now is so, so beautiful. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. trying to, I want to attain to that. It's just beautiful to watch how she is, she's always been. Donna Murphy, but this new sort of phase, this new stage where she is blossoming literally into sort of like this beauty icon is uh, really something. So we mentioned Kiala in the West End. Uh, Gavin Lee is also in the West End. He's playing Lumiere in, their, in Disney's new version of Beauty and the Beast. Um, it's doing really, really well over there. And it does have a different look to it edgier, right? Disney oh, can, fun. can be soft, especially, you know, in the Renaissance of the nineties with Little mm-hmm. Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. And they've now kind of just given it a new look. It is slated to go. It doesn't have an exact date, but the hope of course is to bring it back to Broadway. So oh, nice. you know, he made this really big leap. He's from London or he's from England. And, um, you know, he did have to make the commitment of, uh, a little while over there. You know, we had talked to him about the sort of balance and understanding between him and his gorgeous wife, Emily, and how they take turns and how that conversation has to keep going about who can go when and what that, you use the term ebb and flow in your professional life. Mm -hmm. So they had to make the decision that, Him going overseas and being a part of this cast, which hopefully eventually will bring him back to New York. His uh, commitment had to be over a year. So you have to look at that. Wow. To be away from your family for over a year and he stays up till like midnight so he can be with the family on FaceTime to share dinner with them. So after a really long two-show day or whatever, he's keeping his eyes open to be with his family. So it's really beautiful to see That dynamic of what it takes to have this working marriage and to still be in the business and to plant the seeds for what might come in the future that will benefit everybody.
0: So, in this next clip with Gavin Lee, he talks about the first time he ever saw his wife.
3: And Emily, my wife, had never been to New York. She'd been to London with her high school choir when she was 15. So, she chose London. So, her and her dad went on a flight to London, auditioned for three or four drama schools and got into one. And then she had three glorious years being a British, an American student in a British theatre college. And I actually came in to her college and choreographed her, her year's graduation show, like right? the showcase they do in front of the agents. Sure. Wow. Um, and I have to say we I didn't ask her out until the graduation was over. And she graduated.
0: <laughs> but did you notice her? Did you think, ooh, she's beautiful? Like was it one of those she things is- you sort of saw her across the room and said, Oh, I can't wait for graduation day? <laughs> <laughs> so next up we have um Kirsten Gillardi. She's amazing. She's doing what she's always doing, which is, you know, not much, just saving the planet and saving animals. And she's really, really incredible. Rwanda just was voted in Forbes magazine, one of the top uh, places for a solo female traveler to go. So it's just safe and beautiful and clean. And I, I can't say enough about Rwanda. It is truly um a spirit altering place. It changes the way you see the world when you go there. So if um, any of you want to go there and check out the gorillas, you go up to those volcanoes and it's just, it's indescribably
1: beautiful. The first time we went up to go trek with the gorillas, I was looking to the right. And there is this massive structure of, a, I'm going to say a mama gorilla holding a baby gorilla, but they take the baby gorillas there to name them. Yeah. Is that right?
0: They don't take the babies down there to name. They just have a ceremony. They don't remove the babies from the wild ever. I mean, I think unless they're wounded or they need uh, serious help, but when they do name them, it's just this big, wonderful ceremony. That's, I think that's in September. We. Um, I've always wanted to go for that, for the, the naming, naming of the ceremony. babies. I think oh, that gosh. would be so cool.
1: It oh would be gosh. so cool. When are you going back? I should Bye. say, when are we well, oh, Michael's
0: yeah. going back in July. I am not going back this summer, but next okay. summer we're planning another biggie. Okay. Okay, okay. With some, with some of the guests who've been on the show, <gasps> it's going to be really fun. We're going oh, back. that is fun. Yeah, I'll plan it. I'll put okay. it all together. Don't worry. Next summer though. Next summer. Um, what about Annalee Ashford? What's she doing besides her TV shows? <laughs> She's doing and everything.
1: Well, s- sad to announce, um, they did go ahead, at CBS uh, canceled. Oh, I didn't know um, that. I know, be positive. So uh, both she and Linda Lavin are so dear to me and um, they're both, as all, as you would expect, very, very disappointed, but so grateful for being able to create such a smart show, a kind show, a funny show. But I never, ever have concerns about what's next for Emily yeah, Ashford. She's amazing. Yeah. She's Just amazing. amazing. What about Megan Hilty? What's she doing? <laughs> Megan is, I mean- she's the concert queen. Everybody wants her. I will be very honest. I'll be like, what about this venue? Could we share the same uh, uh, concert booker? And I'll be like, hi, Rachel. Um, so what's happening there? Yeah, they want Megan. Yeah. What's what's going on with this venue in India? Yeah. Megan's booked there. So, I mean, she is everywhere uh, singing her face off, doing voiceovers galore, which really is a gift. I'm going to say A gift for anyone, but especially when you're a parent. So I think she's on three different animated series right now, and to have that sort of um, flexibility in your life, coveted job. I don't think we have enough time to keep going through
0: every everybody.
1: (laughs) Well, then we invite you. Hey, everybody, truly, we invite you to go back, look at our index of all these incredible human and artists that we've uh, spoken to. Yes, definitely do that. We've had so many amazing
0: guests. I'm so grateful for every single one of them that have come on here and talked to us. Every single
1: one has a different perspective. And yet, I think you will notice that there is truly a thread from Mm -hmm. our first episode Mm -hmm. until what are we up to now? 41, 42?
0: No, I think 46, maybe. Are you kidding? I don't even know. I've lost count. I've lost count. That's how much fun we're having. And that's how beautiful, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the themes, like if we had to say three themes that go through almost every episode, I think just say yes is definitely one. People who just jump in and say yes to whatever the opportunity or whatever life brings. What would you say? Gratitude. Totally. Yes. That's another one. And I think self-direction, like deciding what your life is going to be other than allowing, allowing, not just going with the flow, but deciding this is what my life is going to be. And it seems like most of the people that we've spoke to have touched on those things.
1: I agree. And you know, I I read a, a phrase just recently, and I think that Stages podcast and our interviews really, uh, reflects what was said. And it's, it says, go back and listen or read and learn and don't use it as a recipe, but as a menu, pick and choose what is going to feed you. You don't have to put in all the ingredients that we Mm -hmm. put out there, but use it as a menu, you know? And I thought, oh, that's really, really great. That is really great. I know as an interviewer, when I hang up or when we do what struck a chord with us, Mm -hmm. that, That's what I do. I take certain bits and pieces of every single interview and say, aha, that's applicable to my life.
0: Every time I hang up, I literally leave my office and run to my husband's office and go, oh my God, that was the best interview ever. I love them. He goes... (laughs) Every single interview. That's what you said. You come running in and you say the same thing. I'm like, I do. Yeah, you do.
1: Can I tell you how excited that makes me? Because knowing you and the way you love animals way more than people, I feel, I really do feel that this, you know, what we have set out to do has also softened your heart a little bit. Only to
0: theater people. people. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. But, you know, theater people are the best people. No, sorry. I shouldn't say that either.
1: We are a different breed for sure. We are a different breed. You know, we dive right in. And that to me is, that's the meat and potatoes of any relationship. I'm not saying, hey, hi, I'm Vivi's mom. So I was in the hospital yesterday because, you know, (laughs) I get these terrible migraines. That's not necessarily the introduction you want, (laughs) but, oh, it's, it's really thrilling to me. And I feel like I am certainly a... A better person. And so we're closing out act one. This is our Define gravity people. And we wanted to just invite you to maybe go back and touch on the ones that were your absolute favorites, or hopefully during this discussion, we sparked something that reminded mm-hmm. you of a moment or an interview that you went, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And share them ta- with your friends, share them, share them. Share. And we will be back
0: August 1st. Yep. Um, We will have very exciting news then, which we cannot talk about yet. Not yet. And between now and then, there may be a couple of bonus episodes um, coming up in June and July. But again, we can't talk about those yet either because they're not finalized. So definitely go to the website, get on the mailing list, check back with Instagram and Facebook and join those pages so that you don't miss out on anything that's happening. But we are going to take a couple of weeks to
1: regroup and get ready for Act Two. We appreciate you all so, so much. Thank you for going on this journey with us. Thank you for continuing this journey with us. And we will be back for Act Two, August 1st. I love you, Marilee. I love you too, sister. So if this episode resonated with you, please follow, subscribe, and share. You can always find
0: us at stagespodcast.net. A big thank you goes out to our assistant and doer of all things technical, Saren Cho. Thank you to Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our beautiful original music. Melanie Von Trapp for our Stages podcast logo. Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer. And Alison Arns, our PR and social media expert. And thank
1: you, our cast members, for joining us today. We hope you come back next week.